Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity Ale. If you use the code hashtag Villa View, you'll get 10% off everything Purity have to offer, including their newly designed Villa cans. I'm your host, Bart Simpson with a backwards cap, joined by Omar to discuss Aston Villa 1, Southampton nil. And to be honest, we could probably wrap up the show there because there is not much to talk about at all from that game, Omar. But how are you? Yeah, good. I was going to make a Bart Simpson joke, but I won't. I bet you do it. <laughs> happy, happy, happy to have been you do it. Glad I'm not on with Ty or Dolan, someone who would have had more to say about yeah. the backwards cap. Yeah. There's probably I'm too more nice to say. To you, I'm too there's nice probably to more nice. to say about my cap than there is about the game because yeah. it was quite a drab affair. Villa were not good, but I think they kind of went out to to win the game one nil. Villa, if I was a Southampton fan, Omar, yeah, I think God, how bad a way to lose that game one nil because Villa offered very little, but we've still gone there and lost. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the West Ham game, to be honest, in just just that we are on the right end of the result this time. Mm. Um, it was <laughs> we joked behind before, didn't we? Though, yeah, just just what are we going to talk about? There was just so little happened on the night. Um, obviously, it was a it was built up massively because there was this uh, unforeseen break um, because obviously of, of the death of the Queen, and then we had the minute silence, and and then uh, national anthem, and. So the fans are pumped up, ready for Friday night viewing, you know, under the lights. Really cool atmosphere when they put the light, turn the lights off as well, uh, which I thought was really cool. And, and I was just like buzzing. I thought this is going to be a great game. I said to my mate, I think, you know, I think this is a good bet for goals over 2.5, you know, that, that kind of bet that everyone does. And I thought this is going to be, I, thought, I, I don't know why, I just thought it was going to be lots of goals in the game. And it was quite the opposite, wasn't it? And I, th- I think the fans were good for the first 10 minutes and they were, you know, trying to G on the team, but... I think sort of the same kind of issues crept up that we've seen in previous games in terms of how we were playing, lack of cohesion going forward. 
Um, and then I think for the rest of half until the goal, it was just sort of really, really hard view, really tough watching. Um, neither team creating anything. Um, yeah, I mean, neither team taking hold of the game. None of the flair players getting involved, doing much. Um, not much going on in the final third. Not real lack of quality. And then for a set piece, obviously uh, we, you know, Katina does well, which we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to. I thought was probably one of our brightest sparks in the game. Um, Ollie Watkins unlucky with the header. Um, good to set, a well, decent save. Um, TV save that's got him in trouble in my yeah opinion. maybe yeah, Bazuna, yeah. who we praised thought, in the preview yeah I thought I, th- I thought it was a good save watching it and then watching it back I'm thinking well, why hasn't he tipped it over but um, yeah and then I, I had no idea what was going on because it seemed like I didn't know if Cons had missed the missed the header or hit the bar or what and then obviously Ramsey comes in and bangs it in and then one nil and <laughs> that was literally it that was what, what the one moment of real real quality apart from maybe Coutinho's turn and shot in the, in the whole game but. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know what you thought, but in the first half, second half was quite different. I thought we were a bit more urgent off the ball as well. Uh, and we were trying without any luck to do something. But in the first half, I thought we were just, it was almost like it was a it was planned that we were just going to be pretty calm on the ball, not trying to push too much, not trying to push players too high and be a bit more resolute. Um, going back to what obviously Gerard said last time against Man City, being a bit more pragmatic. Yeah, <laughs> I understand it because we have been too open for most of, of Gerard's tenure, though we don't, we don't ever really get, get hammered, but you feel like you know it's quite open in midfield, you can get through the defence quite easily. That has tightened up in the last few weeks. I said to you before we came on that you know Concer and Mings is back as the partnership at the moment because we've got no Diego Carlos. Mm. It's almost like we've gone back to that way of defending that we had under Dean Smith during lockdown that suits them where they looked a good partnership in the last couple of games they've looked a good partnership again concert in the in the first half made a couple of key interventions and if you look back at Mings's stats across the whole game they're really really good so it's like the style of defending's now gone to, to a kind of style that suits the defense again but then we've lost something going forward we've lost a lot going forward and we weren't exactly pr- prolific and, and yeah. looking like we were going to batter teams anyway going forward but now it looks even even less likely. And Gary Neville said after the game, that it's like watching two teams with absolutely no style, no patterns of play. And that is how it feels with, with Villa still. They're, they've now gone less off the cuff and, and more defensive, but they're, they're really lacking going forwards. And you kind of sit there after the game and you know I'm always glad when, when Villa win. You'll never hear me complaining that Villa have won, but you still feel kind of flat after, yeah. after the game because you kind of feel like I'm still not really seeing what I want to be seeing from Steven Gerrard's Villa at this point. Again, I understand what he's trying to do. I understand he's tried to tighten it up over the last few games, but it mm. kind of feels like there's one thing trying to tighten it up against Man <coughs> City, yeah. another against a pretty abject Southampton side, but, but we've won the game 1-0, so you won't hear too many complaints, but it still just doesn't all feel right, does it? No, and that's the thing. I think you, you can view it two hats, really. You can view it sort of short-termism, Three points, you know, wins a win. We needed three points. It pushes up the table. Um, and you can think, okay, maybe if we continue to be this, you know, play this pragmatic, pragmatic approach, try and win the, try and win these games uh, as close to a sort of one nil as, as we can, really, by keeping it tight at the back and hoping for a bit of quality in the, in the final third. A bit like Steve Bruce, I suppose, did um, in, that, in that second season at Villa when we nearly got promoted. Um Albeit, obviously, it was a bit more, a bit more in terms of goals in that season, um, and hopefully that builds confidence. And then 
for, on the back of that confidence, then the flair players and the, and the midfielders and everyone starts playing a bit freer and starts expressing themselves and you start playing playing, uh, playing better football. Or you look at it the other way, which is probably the way the side that I sit on, which is it's all well and good and it's probably going to yield us a, a good two or three results, but it's very much there and done to keep Steven Gerrard in a job. And for the longer term, is it going to benefit us? And, it's and not that's sustainable, not, is it? That way yeah, exactly. Playing? Yeah, and, and you're right. You know, we, it's not like we were playing gung ho football and creating lots and lots of chances and just conceding lots. It was we weren't we weren't creating a lot, slightly more than we are now, but we were conceding a lot more. So we were. <laughs> it's just you know we were a bit more chaotic, um, but conceding more. Now we're a bit more organised, but conceding less. And, um, you know, Stephen Gerrard's comments at the end of the in the game were quite interesting. I don't know if you saw them when he was speaking to mm. Jamie Carragher. I thought, you know, some of his comments were really good, actually. I thought the stuff what he was saying yeah, about you know, taking taking it's on me, I'll put that noise on him, things like that. And, you know, which I thought was good and honest. And, and Gerrard is honest as, as the day comes. You know, he's, he's not like Steve Bruce where we were like, what are you talking about? It's completely false what you're saying. You know, Gerrard is honest. I'll, I'll give him that. But one thing that did strike me was his comment around, you know, maybe we tried to get the team playing too expansively or, or or try too much too soon. And I'm like, well, you're 11 months in, 10, 11 months in. I think that's a fair amount of time to get your get an identifiable playing yeah, style I, in place. I found that a little bit a, a bit alarming, if I'm being honest, because he talked about Neil Critchley coming in and the, the change. Like, I, I get that, Gerard, the setup that we have is very different to what any other team will have in that, yes, he's the head coach, but a lot of the coaching comes from beneath him. Yeah. But I think to make that the change of, assistant makes such a difference I, I don't really like that and yeah. I, th I thought that was quite bizarre a bizarre thing to say like you say it may, it may be true but I don't think you should be so so reliant on your, your assistant manager and your coaches and that change of assistant manager shouldn't make a massive amount of difference of the ideas that you have and the ideals that you have as a manager I thought fair play for, for his honesty I also thought John McGinn after the game said a couple of things that I thought were perhaps too honest saying that like the lack of the lack of fight and the lack of character have yeah. been labelled lab at the team, and he said that it was fair. But why, why, why would there be that lack of character and, and lack of fight until now? You know, McGinn's going to take a stick after the game anyway, because that's that's how he is at the moment. Because he he seems to be the the new scapegoat, and I'm not for one second saying that he's been brilliant. But I thought we at least saw some of the things on Friday night that that, that he's good at. I thought he was bombing around a, a little bit more, playing the game at 100 miles per hour, getting stuck in. He made a lot of tackles. They're the things I, I associate McGinn with being box to box. Maybe had a bit more freedom when it was Louise and Den Donker with him to go forward and, and do the things that he wanted to do. But as honest as those interviews were post-match, I found that they worried me more than anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, McGinn saying, oh, I would have switched off. I was like, yeah, cheers, John. We don't get that opportunity to switch off. You know, we have to, we're paying to watch this. And yeah. context is everything, isn't it? You know, if, we, if it was two seasons ago when the Dean Smith, when we first got promoted, you'd be like, yeah, this is brilliant. I'm really happy with this. I'll take this. Um, you know, a few one nils and all, a few two ones, you know, close wins where we, we keep it tight and, and that keeps us in the league. That's fair enough. But you've got to look at the context. You know, we spent a lot of money. Four season now, isn't it? Four season. You know, these look at the players we've got. Coutinho, Bandia, Bailey, Jacob Ramsey, Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings. You know, these are top, top players, you know. And you can't, it's very, it's not like we're Burnley. You know, it's not like we're, you know, trying to keep ourselves in the league and be proactive. I get the approach and I'm, I'm happy Gerard's at least done something rather than trying to keep. Yeah, because we we said we we've said on here another Villa podcast will have said there's no plan B. Is that you know what we're trolling yeah. isn't working and he keeps yeah. rolling it out. So in his defence, he has changed it. 
Yeah. But he's just not not pleasing on there. It's almost like he's changing, but it's, it's almost still not good enough if that if that makes sense. It's still not what we want to see. But he it's almost like he's saying we've got to go backwards to go forwards, but does that but mean did, right enough into the season? I think we, we'd be lucky to get did, forty points at the moment. But we did that when he first came in. That was his whole point. He was almost he was like better yeah. than what we were watching the last yeah, night. Yeah, I'm sorry, Friday night. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, we have to go he sort of said we have to go backwards to go forwards when he first came in in terms of us being a bit tighter, what he'd seen on Dean Smith. In terms of the way that we wanted to play, you know, we're going back to basics, and it worked. But it, again, it's eleven months in; a lot of more money, a lot more money has been spent, and you've got these a lot. You've got these players there, attacking players with creative talent. You know, these aren't just gambles that we've we've gone for. These are proven players that have done it, and they, and and we've seen it them do it for us as well you know, on, on occasion as well. So it, it can work. I'm sure it can work. Um, and if it yields a couple of two or three results, and then we get back to playing how he wants them, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to. I think it's a bit early to judge yet in terms of what what he's trying to do now. But you know, I don't want to be sitting here in, in three months' time, and you know, we're getting barely a point a game still, and just getting the odd win like this. It's it's not good enough. The owner's not going to be happy with that. So it does need to move on. Um, they've got the international break now, obviously, to to work on that. And I think Luca, well, Luca Dean's going. Obviously, Kamara's. We'll talk about his injury in a second. But apart from that, you know, Coutinho, Diego Carlos is injured. Um, I'm trying to think who else has made it. Matty Cash is obviously in John McGinn. Really around now. Mings isn't in the England squad. Yeah, Mings isn't in the squad. Watkins isn't in the England squad. So there'll be a fair few players around still. So hopefully, they, I know they've got a bit of time off, but maybe they can work on a bit more. But they've just had two weeks and you know we saw, we didn't see much really, did we? And I think the big, the big thing for me is, um, I don't mind, you know, against Man City, it worked, the pragmatic approach. We looked decent going forward that game as well. We looked decent going forward, it opened up. But I also think, you know, again, context is everything. We're playing against a really, a really poor Southampton side, and a bit like the West Ham game, a really poor West Ham side. I don't mean they're poor sides. I mean they're poor at this very moment in time. Yeah, both um, have stinky the, games. Stinky games, and there yeah. for the taking. You know, they were, Southampton were doing anything. And they never just, shot on target, to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't think they did. And and it's just, it's frustrating as a fan sitting there on a Friday night, paying your money to be there, and uh, having spent all that money on on these players and not getting into jail, not getting into work. And again, going back to what we've said before, no patterns of play. It doesn't look like we work on anything going forward. It doesn't look like we work on a, a way to play. And one thing that really stood out for me, it was a couple of occasions, but one key moment, which most people who watch it on TV would think, oh, that was great playing and a great shot. But actually, if you're watching it from the upper hole where I was sitting, you could see what we were trying to do. And I, I think we got lucky. And Coutinho was so good that it worked out all right. But there was one phase of play where, uh, Coutinho had it on the left and Luca Dean overlapped him. And, you know, even under Dean Smith, under most managers, what you'd typically happen, you'd have one of the eights or one of the midfielders join that attack and create almost three, like a triangle to play around teams and build up the play from the left-hand side. What ended up happening was John McGinn came and dropped back into the left-back position, sitting next to Tyron Mings um, to cover that, again, the false full-back position. Again, that was we've seen time and time again. And it meant that Coutinho was sort of on the ball. James Ward-Prowse was on him. The only option he had was Luca Dean, who was marked, and all, all the midfielders on the right hand side to him were all marked. So he, he had to turn, uh, and luckily he did a great turn, moved away, and then hit the shot over the bar, which was probably one of our own highlights of the, the evening. And on the on, on the face of you think, okay, that's great play, well done, Coutinho. But that is exactly what we're relying on. We're relying on a good turn, we're relying on a bit of moment of magic, we're relying on someone, you know, a bit like what Badia tried to do when he came on, trying to, you know, throw balls out of nothing. And we've seen, you know, they're very difficult to achieve, very difficult to get through. Um, and it, it is relying on a moment of magic, a bit like we did on Steve Bruce, where you were relying on individual quality. 
there's no, you know, normally what you'd expect there. And what we used to see with Grealish, Hurahan and um, um, and Matt Target, you, know, you see all the time on the left-hand side when we started playing a bit better when Grealish went on the left-hand side where Hurahan would sort of join the, the the attacking play and they'd build up and overlap and create overloads on the left-hand side. That's what that's the kind of thing you expect most teams to do. And that's what pretty much every team does in the Premier League. And for some reason, we don't do that. What we end up doing, and we saw it again on, on Friday, was, you know, the ball's in, in midfield. Kamara comes deep. They play to Kamara. Kamara goes back to defence. Defence maybe goes to one of the fullbacks, comes back to defence, and then they go long. And none of the one of the midfielders are coming short. There's no sort of interchanging of positions. There's no real sort of idea what to do. It's always almost left up to every individual player to decide what they want to do. And that is the concern I have in terms of whether it works long-term or not, going back to your point, is, is it sustainable? Um, is it's all well and good winning these one nil games, but at some point they're going to have to work on a way of going forward. Because if we are going to be tight when at the back, then when we do have the ball, we've got to make something of it. We've got to make it count, and that's the key. You know, where where are we going to create something, and uh, how are we going to create something? How are we going to play? What's our style of play? With, even if it was going long, knocking it to Ollie Watkins and playing off him, at least it's something. At least it's a style. Not that it might not be the style that we all want, but at least it's something. At the moment, I'm not really sure what we're doing. I mean, this is not a slight on Ollie Watkins at all because I actually think he's been really good so far this season with what very little service he's had. But, you know, when does he miss a chance? Last few games, can you think of the, like, the last chance? I know he, he had the header from the set pace, but he just kind of made that himself. That's, that's what set pieces are. But do you, do you know what I mean? In, yeah. How many chances is our striker missing? Not very many. Did he have a no. shot in, in no. the game other than that header? You know, he's, we're not creating anything and, that, and it is concerning because that approach has worked. We've won the game. Stephen Gerrard, whatever, whatever anyone says, Stephen Gerrard can turn around and say, we won that game 1-0. Aston Villa have got three points. But if you're playing against anyone who's semi-decent or on any bit of kind of form, that won't work. No. We could have been playing, I don't know, let's say Newcastle. We wouldn't have won that game. You rolled the dice against West Ham. It was very similar. Like you said, we lost that game 1-0. It's 50-50, isn't it, when you, when you, when you play like that? And it's just... There's no control in the game still. And we've won two games this season. They've both come at a cost because now we've got Kamara probably going to be out at this time now. We don't know how long for. But we're now back at the... We're going to be back with Louise as a six. I don't particularly think he's a six as much as I like him as a player at the moment. We're just kind of back to last season's team again. No, not really moving forward. I think probably that maybe is playing on Gerard's mind a little bit now that that team wasn't good enough last season. He's now going to have to be rolling out that same team as he was the, the, the entirety of the second half of last season. And there's just little things, I don't know, obviously I'm never going to get to do this, but I, I'd love to speak to Gerard. I'm just trying to understand a few things because there's a lot of things I don't understand. You know, we've played with our eights on kind of the wrong side for the last year, pretty much. McGinn on the right, Rams on the left. We're now not doing that. I think that's probably a good thing for McGinn. I think it probably suits him more being on the I left. So. Yeah. But I, think, I, don't, I don't think it suits Ramsey. Yeah. Ramsey operates best in that pocket as a number eight when he's playing on the left. So you're now taking away the, the stuff that he's good at, driving from that left-hand side and, and coming in with his powerful dribbling and his, in his close control. So I just, that's still just, there's just more questions than answers for me with Villa at the moment, even though we've won the game. And I'm not, I'm desperately trying not to be negative because we've won the game. But I'm still, I just, my overriding emotion with Villa at the moment is concern. Yeah, and I think, I think you're, um, you're sort of relaying what most fans think, I imagine, from what I, what I, you know, from who I speak to, what it was like at the ground, you know, that first half, you know, the upper hole, and the whole end in, in general, you know, was is very loud for the sort of first 10 minutes. Like it's the same pattern every game, though, and it has been for probably 
most of the last year. It's been that same pattern where the atmosphere will be really good at the start of the game. You get the songs, yeah. everything, will, everyone will fill up for it. And the game kind of goes flat. The crowd yeah. goes flat. And then you're stuck in this universe that we seem to be in at the moment with Villa. Yeah, yeah. And it was just people just talking and chatting about the game. And it's... Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, you want to be you want to be positive as a Villa fan. And at the end of the day, when I was I I I was the first one on on Friday was, you know, I was saying to other other fans, I was like, just, just don't don't worry about what happened in terms of how bad it was. Just enjoy the three points. But then you know you move on. It's a couple of games down, and you've got to look at this with a critical eye. At the end of the day, as a Villa fan, because your club's never going to move forward if you don't do that. If you're just content and happy with whatever the management team or the owners say. I know the owners have done a great job, but you still got to look at everything with the crypto eye. Because at the end of the day, it's our club. You know, they're the stewards of the club. So you want, we want what's best for the club, and we as fans see it day in day out. We can see what doesn't make sense or where things might go wrong. Or you know, if you look at it in the, in the right way, if you're not blinded by by optimism, um, you, you can sort of see where things are going wrong or where, where things might go wrong. And I think that it's important to be like that. When you're there at the ground, support the team 100% yeah, back. Of course, the team. yeah. All Be the there. The never, never call out players in public in terms of like atting at them or anything like that. But as fans, especially as a podcast, you know, what's the point of sitting here and just being like, everything's great, 1 0, let's move on? You've got to think, actually, where do we go from here? And like I said, there's two ways you can go from here. And I think more than anything in the world, I'd be more than happy and I'd be ecstatic to be proven wrong that Gerard oh, we, can turn, we, turn around. We want Steven Gerrard to do well. 100%. There's no 100%. doubt about that. We're not here shouting saying the manager should get the sack. No. We want Steven Gerrard to do well because that means yeah. Aston Villa have done well. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just not seeing it at the moment. I desperately want to. I really, really want to. People will know from years of podcasts and years of Twitter and years of, of whatever very rarely been negative, always try to look at the positive side, but yeah. I'm just being brutally honest at the moment. I don't really see where we're going. Yeah. I want to, but I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I And I'm with you, you know, I'm with you. And um, I, I, I think let's, you know, we'll get to the Forest and Leeds games. Those two will be interesting to see how we play. You know, those teams are both winnable, both winnable games. And to be honest, we have to win them. If we're going to do anything this season, apart from get to the 40-point mark, then we've got to win those games. Otherwise, it's another season of transition. And I don't think the owners will be happy. You know, they've, they've spent they a lot of money. They absolutely they can't, be. can't be. I know, I know in the last two seasons, people say, oh, you know, net spend and all that kind of stuff. But they still pump in. That, that net spend is just transfer fees. There's other spend going on, infrastructure in the club and everything that's going on. You know, they're pumping in money left, right and centre all the time. So it's not like they're not putting money into the club. And you know, obviously, we've seen. I think it was the four. We're in the, in the top twenty now, aren't we? In terms of the value of the club, so we're there. We're ripe to to do something here, and we've got the players. But you know, again, I looked at something today. It was I can't remember what it was. It was a bit of research. Where I think there's a well-known uh, company that does it, where they look at the value of the value of the players compared to what you spent. <coughs> and after Man United, we're we're the, we're the team that's wasted the most money in terms of current value of the players compared to what that. we spent. Um, so again, points to you know the uh, the lack of success when it comes to both picking the manager what the management team's done but also in terms of the scouting the recruitment and just the general football strategy and and then you see you know obviously we'll talk about the women's game as well and see how well they're doing and what they're doing and even the academy team what, what's going on there and the players that we're bringing through and you just think you know just we're, <laughs> the important part the sort of the end part which is the, the men's team uh, where you want it to go right and that's, that's almost not the most important thing but the most visible thing uh, for most fans, isn't quite working. Whereas everything else behind the scenes, everything else was sort of doing off the pitch, and even the other teams are doing really well. And it's just fr it's frustrating from that point of view. It's 
you know, how do we get it right? And um, it seems like every time we we progress and we do something and just it's sort of we get knocked back a few paces. And, and that I think that's the frustration for Villa fans. And that's why rather than being negative, I think Villa fans are always a bit cautious because any sort of great hope that comes in, you just think, how's it going to go wrong? And this sort of maybe the general pessimism of being a Brummy or whatever, but I, I don't know what it is, but at least, well, at least they didn't ruin your birthday, I suppose. That's the, that's the main thing. No, 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 they did. They did it. But this is, the, I just feel like it's like a switch at the moment and it's easily flickable. So even though they've won the game, great. Three points. Fantastic. Like I said, no complaints, even though we complained through the whole podcast, but you know what I mean? Three, three points there is brilliant. But that way of playing is only going to take the next defeat, yeah. which, you know, could be coming in the next two games where it's a pile on again and everyone's everyone's negative because I don't think Villa fans can see what, what we're trying to do. I've seen a couple of people on Twitter saying they want that, that you know, Gerard needs time, give him time. But in the main... And even people who I would say are like me that wouldn't previously be, be be this way, I think people just are thinking we're not we're not heading in the right direction here. This this isn't great, and I I, I hate it. But that that is what I, that, like I keep saying that is where where I think we're at. But we've won the game. But if we lose the next game, everyone's going to be turning around again and saying there's no style, there's no patterns of play. We've had a we've had a year now, and I don't know what type of football team Aston Villa mm. are, and that, that's the problem when you pick, when you're going out to try and grind a, grind a result like, like like we did against Southampton. I just think it's not sustainable, and you can quite easily lose the next game one nil. But playing that way, you want to see some development, you want to see some things going yeah. forward. And you talk, you know, you're talking about the owners and, and saying about the owners. You know, they've been here five years now. Yeah, is it the owners? You know, they've invested a hell of a lot of money into the academy, lots and lots of money. The first thing they did, those owners, when they had a look around Bodymore. They decided the youth facilities weren't good enough. That was the first thing that they looked at. They said we're going to put some money into that straight away. You, know, you want to see some some like fruition from that, really? I know Jacob Ramsey's in 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 the first team. I know we've got a few promising players out on loan. But you know, five years in, yeah. you'd expect maybe to see a little bit more yeah. from the academy into the first team. I'm aware that we've had the Chuck Chuck Mecca issue, which is obviously is is what it is. Greedy agent, Farland. There's nothing Villa can do about that. They did well to get the, the 20 million, but. I just don't feel like we're we're moving forward, and I'm, I'm so desperate for us to, to to move forward. When we just about stayed up in that next season, you could see a moving forward. You could see mm. a process. Mm. It's just last season is we've gone backwards, yeah. And I kind of feel like this season it's just the same again. Yeah, I don't feel like we're any better than we were yeah. last season. And Gerard will point to those two injuries now, as you know, as he probably should, as a, looking out for himself. That's what he, should, what he will point to, that the two big signings that he's had are now not in the team. So it is the same Villa as last season. But I felt that when those two were in there as well. Yeah, but still, you know, a good coach or a good manager can get the best out of players. You know, Martin O'Neill, you know, he wasn't a coach, but he was a good manager, man manager. He got the best out of players like Marlon Harewood. And, I mean, I and believe there was very little coaching in the Yeah, very little coach. There. But it's a, it's a similar, similar, kind, of scenario, than there was similar a, kind of scenario because people else. like John Robertson and people like that were doing a lot of the coaching. Um, and it's a similar kind of thing, but Martin O'Neill was good on match day. You know, he got the best out of his players. He got the best out of average players. And um, I, I, I don't even know if we're doing that, to be honest. And people will say, well, you know, you know, Villa aren't a top 17, top 18. But I don't think anyone wants us to be or expects us to be there just yet. But we should be top half. But, we, we, you know, we should be top half. You know, we, we finished 11th. And if Jack didn't get injured, then we would have... I'm pretty sure we'd have finished top seven, top eight. Yeah. Last season, we were just like three or four wins away from finishing top half. And, and it was a just poor Premier League last season. Poor Premier League. Really. And poor. this year, even this year, you know, I know, I know, Kamara's 
injured, but even then, you know, he's played the majority of games so far. It's not like we've been, you know, we've been amazing so far this season. And and Diego Carlos, you know, that's one you can't legislate for. You know, again, we were crap against Bournemouth, but still, who knows what it would have been like with him in the team. But more going forward, we're not still creating anything. You know, we're not doing anything. And we've spent money on players like Bailey, Buendia, Ings. And and again, we've sold wingers. We've sold Traore. We've sold Algarzi. We've sold Trezeguet. I'm not saying any of them would have done anything, but... You know, would would uh, Bertrand Troy have been any worse than Leon Bailey on on Friday night? I'm not really sure. What options do we have going for the bench? You know, why aren't why don't we have another winger? You know, all these questions again point to, and this is me going back off on a rant in terms of rant in terms of the the strategy and and what we're doing behind the scenes. But I just again, I don't think there's any cohesion in what we're trying to do. It doesn't make any sense. Just because Gerard doesn't play with wingers doesn't mean you need a winger. You don't need wingers on the bench. Or you need options off the bench you know Coutinho and Buendia aren't wingers um, they're not going to play out wide Leon Bell is your only winger and then you ask him to play narrow um, curtailing any you know part, I'm not saying he was great on, on Friday he had a good sort of 10 minute spell where we may have created a few things but apart from that but he was pretty you, poor Do you think at the moment those players that play in those positions behind the striker are any of them going to be any good because it is just chop change chop change you know Bailey plays 90 minutes of the game before scores then he's off on an hour was it 61 minutes or whatever it was yeah that the next game, then he'll probably be back on the bench for the next. You know, there's no rhythm for any of those players in the who play off Ollie, Ollie Watkins. Or include I include Danny Ings in that, even though he doesn't play off Ollie Watkins. You know what I mean? Because it changes every game, and I get that he's you know he hasn't found the right combination. He wants to get it, but I feel like even if he had found the right combination, still too much chopping, chopping and changing in there. But then I suppose you can look at the midfield and say that's been relatively settled, and that hasn't been great. So maybe I've done myself out of out of a point there. But you know what I mean? Like Bailey's never going to get. Any rhythm because he's on the bench one week, plays a full game the next, then he plays an hour, then he's back on the bench again. You know, there's no consistent. Someone like Bailey, I feel he needs consistent ninety minutes. That game could have opened up a little bit more if he'd have stayed on the pitch, perhaps when Southampton were pushing forward. And then with his pace, and maybe he goes and gets a goal, gets gets mm-hmm. the, gets against the second goal, and he scored two in two. But he, you know, he's pulled off after an hour for for whatever it was for for Buendia. Yeah, Buendia, the crowd, you can you can like. You know what I was saying at the start of the game, the first 10 minutes would be a great atmosphere and then it, the performance will go a bit flat, the crowd will go a bit flat. Mm. For an hour every week, the crowd starts singing about Emi Buendia. Yeah. I'm not saying he brings them on because of the crowd, but it's the same pattern of every game. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's on at that point yeah. and someone's pulled off and then they haven't played 90 minutes again. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, they're just, it's that, that, you're saying there's no cohesion. It's because of things like that. Yeah, and there isn't, and there isn't. And I think of forward players, this is not the 90s Premier League anymore. You've got to work on patterns to play. You've got to work on those forward players playing together as a way of playing because teams are so good tactically now, defensively, all across the pitch. And the quality of the Premier League this year is going to, has not, never been higher. Really? really? I said it was crap last year. It's really strong this year. Really strong this year. You know, look at Fulham. Look what Fulham are doing. Even Forest, I know they've been poor and they should have won more games than they should, should have, but they've still played well in those games. They've still created chances. They've still got quality in, the, in those teams. Uh, even Leicester, I know they lost six two, but they you know they they played fairly well against Tottenham. I thought yeah, until can't Son, set pieces, which yeah, kill you. Exactly. and Son came on and destroyed them. But they're still good quality. Or any team can can destroy you if you're if you're not playing well. But likewise, when you're going forward, most teams can defend. <laughs> then compared to what in the nineties, where it was all gung ho and and there was there wasn't the same level of tactical knowledge as it is now. You've got to come up with a way of playing against teams. You've got to come up with a way of creating chances and and not just relying on. But dear, you go on the right and try and do something. And Bailey, you know, we'll try and get you one on one now and again. And you know, no one's overlapping him. Young staying deep, which which is fair enough. You know, we're trying to be defensive, but then he's just one on one and he's got to do something by himself. 
you know, there's no there's no sort of like oh come Jacob Ramsey come join the play and create an overload or anything like that. There's nothing being worked on. It's all up to the individual players. At some point, that's got to be that's got to be fixed. And the solution is staring us all there right in the face. Yeah, I'm sorry, but we've said it a million times. You've got to play four two three one, and that way you can get Coutinho, Buendia, Bailey, and Watkins all in the same team. And that is your best bet. You've got all the quality there going forward, and you've got the you've got the um, <clears throat> defensive two there in midfield who can protect you and the fullbacks add, add additional cover as well and they can bomb one of them can bomb forward at a time you could even have Ramsey in, in, that three, in that three off the striker and you know I think it gets more yeah. out of him arguably. yeah yeah as well you can play Ramsey on the left you can play Ramsey in the 10 you can play McGinn in the 10 you know you've got options there um so it's not like you're restricted to just those four players it doesn't work it doesn't work but even Watkins you could go out wide and bring Ings up front but at least you've got that you've got the quality players on the pitch uh, and they can create something, but I don't understand why we're not playing that formation. It's well, just I'd, a, I'd really... argue there's there's more need for it now because Kamara been out for a lengthy period. That is going to cause us problems. So you're yeah. probably looking at you do want to have two. Sit. That's probably where Dendonka comes in now. You yeah. have Louise and Dendonka playing there. And everyone, every team in the Premier League, whether it's f- sort of fullbacks pushing up or wingers, play with genuine width and and either rely on crosses or build play from the, from the wide areas uh, and use that to stretch out the pitch and create chances. We do none of that. And it, it's still exactly the same. And it's, it's all well and good being hard to be in, getting those one nil wins. But again, long-term, where do we go from here? <laughs> where do we go? It's the same thing. How do we get better? And and I think, you know, Neil Critchley played that kind of formation before. So I don't understand why we're still playing. You know, people talk about Michael Beale and, and you know him leaving and doing so well at QPR, but it wasn't like he, we were doing great when he was here. And it seems to be the exact same kind of pattern of play and same kind of style as we were doing under him. All the things that were going wrong under him seem to be happening now. So that's where I'm like, maybe my my sort of optimism comes in where I think maybe we can just grind out a few results and Neil Critchley can come in and get the coaching going and, and sort of implement what he wants to do. But it's been a number of weeks already. I know he wasn't there much of pre-season, but you know, you can have, we have a two-week break and then we've got another two-week break. Maybe there's something that they can work on. But, you know, you've seen other managers and the teams, you know, Jesse Marsh, we've talked about before, Bielsa, you know, Potter, all the, even Lampard to some extent, they've all come in and they've sort of identified a style straight away and, and they've implemented it pretty quickly. Whereas we seem to, you know, 11 months is too too soon. Uh, you know, you need like, you know, four years to implement a style. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know why it, will t- why it takes so long. I don't understand why. These are professional football players. They're used to playing in, all types of formations, and most of them are used to playing in a four-two-three-one. Whether it's international side or previous club sides, that's pretty much what most play most teams play. That or maybe a three-four-three type formation, which is which, are, which probably works out very similar in terms of when you're attacking anyway. So you know why? why of course, they can adapt to those those kind of styles. The, the key issue is what is being worked off off the pitch, and that's what I would like to know and I like to see because it doesn't look like they're doing anything to me. Yeah, Villa Park on Friday was not one for the purists. But Sunday, Aston Villa women four, Manchester City women three, was mm. one for the purest Derma. Great start to the season for Carla Ward's team. Really exciting game. I yeah. watched it yesterday. Really, really enjoyed it. And you know, I've met Carla a number of times, spoke to her a number of times, and I know what she wants. I know what she wants an Aston Villa side to be. This is what I'm saying because mm. I've spoke to her. I, I know what she wants, and you can yeah. you can see that you could see that on the pitch. You know that felt like her Aston Villa, whereas last season it didn't. But you know that first game of the season, Villa have played Man City. A number of times and not done very well. I remember a few seasons ago they started off the season against Man City and the poles apart. I think Man City only won two 0 but it was a very very comfortable two 0 If I if I recall my memory could be completely wrong there. But you know yesterday Villa were 
but they were excellent. And you could mm. see what she she wanted: high energy, high tempo. The pressing was excellent. And they got up and up in amongst a really good side and caused them problems. And great character as well, you know. Because when you blow a two goal lead, well, we've seen with the with the men's team, you blow a two goal lead that can psychologically absolutely kill you. Not only that, you know, they've gone three two down, got back to three three, and got gone on and won the game. That was a stupendous start to the season. Really was, yeah. I mean, that, that Man City game you talk about, that was probably one of the first proper Villa women's games I, I watched, uh, which was, uh, and there was, was miles on TV. Off, weren't there? Miles, miles off, off it. And, and, and I, they were absolutely bad at that game. And I remember because I, I was trying to get my daughter into, into football um, without trying to force her. And she's been to a few Villa games and uh, she watched that. We watched that I game on TV. She didn't go on Friday. No, she didn't. No. <laughs> she, went, well, she went to a West Ham game, but she also went to Villa Southampton last year when we won 4 0, so it's oh, fine. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I remember that Man City game, and she was quite young then. But we were sort of watching the TV, and you know, yeah, I was like, I was watching it more than she was because she was too young. But I remember thinking at that time, I was like, God, this Villa team are, you know, miles away from from the sort of top teams in the WSL uh, in terms of that that gap was massive. And then on Sunday, in just a space of what three years, probably. <laughs> to close that gap and the way they pressed, the way they played football. Obviously, Daly coming, Rachel Daly coming in. Yeah, she, that's a, a phenomenal signing. That's you know, a, a game changer. That's a game changer. And at that, that level of football and that level so early on in the professional sort of progression of women's football, I think that's one play can make a massive difference. <coughs> Sorry, got bad. Sure, right well, um, no. Um, but yeah, and I thought, you know, just, just the overall, in terms of the way that they they press, but also the quality of the goals, I was really impressed with. You know the the execution, the technique, Alicia Layman's finish. You know all yeah, all the finish. all the good things. You know Daly's finish the, the, the off the corner. You know that fantastic. Just the general play, but just the energy in the team was really really impressive. Well, I thought it's the and, difference, and, isn't it? The crowd with the players that day. <coughs> yeah. I wasn't at the game, but I, but I, but I watched it, and it felt like the crowd were really with the with the players because again, you know, they've kind of been on a journey. Together, the thing I find difficult with, with women's football is because it's one year, two year contracts all the time. Hmm. You get you start to get to know the team and get to know the players, and then you just get ripped up and started again. But there's a fair few there that were there last season. I think it's probably about six out and, and six in. And the new, the new players that they brought in are of a high standard, and then they'll make the players that were already already there better. For example, the, you know the fullbacks Pacheco and Mailing. I really like them as players. I think I think they. You know they're proper fullbacks. They can get forward and they can defend as well. But they really bomb on. But it's yeah. because I can see, I can see what that team and I know what what uh, Carla wants that team to be. And yesterday yeah. was a great advert for it. Yeah, no, really, really good, really impressive. And and the fact that so many people were watching as well. I think the um, the attendance, just the attendance in the, in the in the ground was probably four or five times what it was that first game that they mm. they played against Man City, which again shows you the interest in women's football, but also how excited people are about uh, this Villa women's team. And I think there's, there's signs there, aren't there, as well. You've got the likes of Hannah Hampton as well, who's hopefully going to be a star in our team. I know she maybe made a mistake for one of the goals, but she's an excellent player in the England squad uh, and was a standout player for us last season as well. And you've got players like that joined with, obviously, players like Rachel Daly and, uh, you know, signing the players of that ilk is, is only going to you know, do us well. And I think there's a real opportunity there for Villa, you know, with, with the owners that we have. And, you know, they're not going to neglect the women's women's no. side. And, you know, women's football is just going to go from strength to strength. We saw, we've seen what's happened over the last year or so. It's going to continue to go sort of upwards trajectory. And we've got to take advantage of that and continue to try and get the best players that we can. And mix that and com- combine that with sort of more homegrown players and trying to get more actual women from the local area and girls from the local area well, they're starting to get that they've got a couple in there that yeah. are very very good players 
Yeah, I mean, Villa, the men's team, always had a history of bringing in really good young players through and having our own players in the team. You know, regardless, even of our lowest ebb, we've had our own players playing at Villa, you know, homegrown players. And I think the women's team um, are doing that as well. Again, it's great for, you know, girls from Birmingham or whoever in the local area coming to watch the game, seeing one of their own there. It just means that, again, builds fans, builds the club up um, and, and sort of makes us a attracts us to a larger audience as well. Yeah, really positive that was yesterday. Obviously, it builds on the, the success of the Euros from the England team. You know, some, you know, little things as well, like the Villa women's team are going to be in the new FIFA. When that when that comes out, you know, it's all heading in the right direction. And I, I really look at them as, as a part of the part of the club. It's one of the same. I, you know, I want the women's team. To, I celebrate women's team goals the same way I would celebrate the men's team's goal now. It, it means, means the same to me. So, yeah, really, really positive moving forward. And yesterday was an excellent start, beating a very good Manchester City side. Um, I never envisaged for the life of me that we go 38 minutes a day, but we've managed it. So thank you ever so much for talking with me. And thank you for Ad- right, oh, sorry. thank you to Adam for producing as always as well. And thank you to everyone that's got involved in the comments. If you're not already subscribed to the Villa View with your post notifications on, if you could do that, that would be absolutely fantastic. And don't forget our sponsors, Purity Ale. If you want to get 10% off everything they have to offer, use the code hashtag Villa View at checkout and you'll be able to get that 10% off. No, we won't be back in the week, Daniel, because there's absolutely no game. Maybe we'll do something anyway. Maybe we'll chuck a podcast in there or something, see if we can... We'll do, we'll do a, maybe do a Luke, Luke Live Lounge. Yeah, maybe. we'll do something. We'll get something on the go midweek, have a, have a, have a chinwag, have a conflab. Thanks ever so much for watching. Up the villa. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.